0: Hey kids, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio. Is not Lady Gaga teaching math. That is one of our guests this month, Sadie Bowman, singing Poker Trace, a song from a show called Calculus the Musical. With Sadie in the Cyber Studio this time is Ricky Coates, whose own show, Tesla X Machina, is, along with the third show in their repertoire, Curie Me Away, part of a company called Math Theatre. That's M-A-T-H-E-A-T-R-E, Math Theatre. Currently crisscrossing the United States bringing the stories of Marie Curie, Nikola Tesla, and a modern student assisting Sir Isaac Newton to discover calculus to high school and college audiences. Who dares hypothesize that theater cannot be educational as well as entertaining? We began our investigatory discourse with Ricky and Sadie with an inquiry into their theatrical training. I
1: kind of got into theater through music uh, in my, my younger days, uh, I actually was, uh, intending to go to college for music. Um, and then I got sort of distracted by theater cause I started auditioning for community theater where they're like, thanks for coming. We don't mm-hmm. really have a role for you, but I see on your list that you play piano. Can you do this for us? And that sort of opened this door into music for theater that I really got into uh, when I was a teenager. And then, then you know, my, my, my education and my college experience kind of got me more interested in the acting and performance part of theater. But it came from a basis of music.
0: Did you have a degree in uh, musical theater? Did you go to school for oh. acting?
1: Uh, my degree is in theater arts. Uh, okay. I uh, I started off at a community college in Piqua, Ohio, where I took all the theater classes that they had. And then I transferred to the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. And that's where my uh, bachelor's is from in theater arts.
0: Nice. Minneapolis is a great town for theater. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I have yet to be the uh, to go there, but I am absolutely dying to. Because every time I go someplace, it was like, "So, where are you from? Minneapolis? How many theaters <laughs> do you folks
1: have up there?" Wow, uh-huh. a lot of them, a lot yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool, Ricky. What about you?
2: Uh, my theater background comes from uh, sixth grade. Really, I started acting in sixth grade community theater, and then uh, I was actually on track to be a scientist. I'd just been acting in community theater all of my life in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, but then when I decided to go to college, I wanted to double major in astrophysics and theater. Mm. Um, and then I got to college, and I decided that as good as I was in physics, like I just couldn't wake up every morning and do it. Um, so I auditioned into the University of Arizona's BFA program and got in, and then the rest is history. I ended up uh, going with the theater route for most of my life until Sadie and I got the math theater together and I now get to do both my passions. I get to be a scientist on stage and a theater artist in life.
0: That's excellent. That's, that's a nice way to combine both of them because I was going to say, you know, it's a theater is not exactly the best way to, you know, make a hundred thousand dollars. Whereas, you know, determining the arc tangent of a comet yet to be discovered on the outer fringes of whatever <laughs> might be a little bit more lucrative. I don't know. Yeah, a little maybe, bit, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> a little bit. First of all, has anybody ever told you you kind of look like Tesla? Yes. <laughs> that that that's was for Ricky, by the option. way, not Sadie. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah,
1: you're talking to me, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, no, that's actually how the show was born. I, I was touring another one-man show, and uh, at a fundraiser, my friend just came up to me on Tesla's birthday, and she said, so when are you doing a one-man show about Tesla? I was like, why would I do that? And she pulled up a picture and I was like, oh my gosh, he looks just like me with a mustache. Uh, so I started reading his biography and I was like, oh my gosh, I could make like five shows about this man. Yeah. And so that's how that show was born. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Nikola Tesla. Since boyhood, I have suffered from a peculiar affliction, images accompanied by strong flashes of light, mar my vision and interfere with my thought and action. I did it! A memory! Oh, uh, forgive me, I was thinking aloud, Mr. Uh, Edison. Thomas Edison, your boss. In my opinion, the human being is a poor invention. If we are the noblest works of God, what is the ignoblest? You are to be executed for murder in the first degree. Turn on the current. Just being with you. Then I could
0: It seems as though Tesla was, aside from that horrible 1980s band. Um, <laughs> apologies if you guys are fans, but you know, whatever. Um, was not nearly as well known as some other folks in the field until perhaps the Internet started coming along. And which is, you know, the, the great information outlet, both real and uh, unreal for pretty much everything in the universe. But we started seeing more and more about Tesla and as opposed to other people who are, you know, more famous like Thomas Edison. Uh, but let's hear a little bit about him, because the more I, I read about this, this guy, the more uh, intriguing he becomes. Uh-huh. It's, it's like a, a, a total born genius.
2: Well, one of the big reasons that Tesla had a resurgence um, is a little-known fact that he actually invented robots many years before the word "robot" was even invented. Uh, he had; it, it was just about the time of the Great War, and he wanted to contribute his scientific knowledge to the, the war efforts. And so, he was working on wireless communication, and he developed a submarine that he could wirelessly send controls to. Um, but at the time, no one could even fathom what happened they thought he was was showing the magic that there was a monkey inside of the submarine that he was piloting around through remote control um so that whole project just uh got thrown to the wayside um but his patents on it uh were rediscovered in 1970 when some computer uh, technicians went to patent some of their input output devices or input outputs yeah and they ran into Nikola Tesla's patents from a hundred, like seventy years ago, and they're like, "Who is this Nikola Tesla guy? And why does he have patents seventy years old on things that we're trying to to uh, use on computers?" Um, and so I think that's what, what kind of started a resurgence in looking at him from a new a new perspective. Uh, but uh, Nikola Tesla was actually fairly well known in his time. Um, he was, he, he is the ma- man that was responsible for alternating current. Because uh, at the time that the electricity was being used in house in households, uh, Thomas Edison was using direct current, which means that electricity travels in one direction. Um, but it was inefficient to make, and you couldn't transform it to high voltages and then bring it back down to a lower voltage, so it couldn't travel very far. Um, so Nikola Tesla had posited back in his college years that it wouldn't be great if we could use alternating current and everyone told him it was impossible there was no way that you could have alternating current which is electricity moving that it moves back and forth across a wire okay uh, which is the way that it, it, it naturally um is made when you have a, a rotating magnet which is how a lot of like hydroelectrics work right. um so tesla wanted to make sure that or, or he he was obsessed with finding a way to make alternating current uh, feasible in rotating motors, which is how most electricity is then converted into and our mechanical uh, means. Um, and so he, he figured it out. Um, and, and, and that's how he ended up making his fame. Um, I, I go into a lot of detail on how that happens. I could probably right. do for an hour on <laughs>
0: And I can uh, probably Tesla. listen to it, but we have a limited amount of podcast <laughs> right. time.
2: Um, we get through today. Yeah. come uh, on. So, uh, <laughs> just just to give a, a, a quick um, wrap up of that, um, what fascinated me about Tesla was that he was kind of swept under the rug by Thomas Edison right. and Marconi, who who kind of didn't he work took for Edison he, for
0: a period of time?
2: Uh, he worked for Edison, yeah, and then quit because. Uh, Edison told him that if he improved all the, all of the direct current dynamos that he would give him, uh, what was it? $50,000. And, uh, so, uh, Tesla worked for months without sleep, did it. And then, um, Edison was like, Oh, I was just joking. I'm not going to pay you any money. And so Tesla walked out of his office and what a nice man. I know. Right. <laughs> Wow. And then Marconi stole or he used Tesla's patents to make radio. And uh, so now Marconi is credited with, with inventing radio, even though the Supreme Court ruled that uh, they were Tesla's patents and that he should actually be the father of radio.
0: I'm, but I'm I mean, going to these... venture that Tesla, Tesla needed a patent lawyer glued to his side.
2: <laughs> well, he was one of those scientists that was so like immersed in the science that he wasn't a businessman like all the yeah. other inventors of the time. Uh, so that's how he got swept under the rug. But uh, he was uh, an ex- incredibly personable person. Um, apparently going to see uh, lectures that he would give, people would compare them to watching a magician work, because he would give these grand demonstrations. Uh, and so uh, Tesla nowadays is more known for his uh, his neurotic uh, tendencies. Mm-hmm. I mean, the man had them by the tons. Uh, but in his time, he was so well-known for being just this personable, well-liked person that you wanted to invite to social occasions and stuff. So uh, that's really what I tried to get back into the 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 into the Tesla show so that way people could, could realize uh, just what a fascinating person he was. Because he was a celebrity for his time that then got swept under the rug as soon as these other people could. Uh,
0: How technically like- complex is the show? Technically it- complex? I mean, well, scientifically complex is what I mean.
2: Oh, uh, well, we gear most of our shows towards high school and college students. Um, So nothing is is outside the realm of of a teenager's mind. Um, But I do have a Tesla coil and an alternating current motor and the robot that I mentioned earlier. And so there, there are machines that are in the show. Is uh, but as far coil? as accessibility, like as, lo- as long as you can understand the English language to some degree, you can understand what's going on.
0: Okay, uh, ex- explain for me what a Tesla coil is.
2: We don't have time for that. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, I'll give you the short answer. Uh, uh, it tr- <laughs> what it does is it it has two coils: as a primary coil uh, and then a secondary coil, and they're they're not connected, but they can they have separate capacitors, um, and there's a spark gap. Uh, between them. And then as, as the voltage uh, re- incre- uh, gets to like this maximum part on the, the primary coil, it fires a secondary coil. Basically, it, it makes so much voltage in, in the coil itself that the electricity then goes into the air. Uh, so it makes wireless electricity. You can put a light bulb next to it and a light bulb will just shine in your hand with no wires attached.
0: What if a person is sitting next to it? Will they become electrocuted or radiated or something? I really depend
2: not really. I mean, if you're not grounded, the electricity is not going to jump to you. Nobody's uh, ever told me that
0: I've been well grounded.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh Tesla would actually he he developed these shoes that had a thick rubber sole a couple inches uh, that he would wear so that way he never got electrocuted by his own things.
0: Interesting. I I we could go for years talking about this guy. He's absolutely fascinating. Um let's shift over to Marie Curie for a little while here, because she's another remarkable person that we clearly as a culture do not know enough about, mm-hmm. um, a Nobel prize winner in both physics and chemistry mm-hmm. and quite famous in her own day. Mm-hmm. And aside from discovering, or I guess I'm not sure discovering is the right word. I'm going to let you, uh, correct me on that radium. But she probably also discovered uh, radium poisoning too.
1: <laughs> she was definitely on the on the bleeding edge of, bleeding <laughs> of ed- I like that. Yes, yeah. radioactive uh, uh, health uh, health health issues. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, she did discover, she and her partner Pierre Curie uh, did discover the elements radium and polonium. Uh Um, They also, Marie Curie was also the... Individual who coined the term radioactivity. Um, so it was. This was another just really exciting time to be a scientist. This is in the 1890s, late 1890s. Um, there, another scientist, Henri Becquerel, had uh, noticed that uranium, the element uranium, was doing all kinds of weird things. He was getting these these, these energetic readings off of off of the, this element. And so Marie decided that that's what she was going to just drop what else she was doing and just focus on this, figuring out what's going on with this uranium. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. long story short, uh, they finally figured out that it's not a reaction. At first they thought that the chemical was having some kind of reaction. um, And they finally realized that no, like this element is just creating this energy on its own. And so they, uh, Marie Uh, coined the term radioactivity and that was the basis of the first Nobel Prize that she won. Um, Something that uh, maybe a lot of people know uh, maybe some don't. She almost did not receive that Nobel Prize uh, because she was a girl. Really? Really? Science didn't think the girls did science and that uh, she deserved to be recognized for that work. So they tried to award it to her husband and Ari Becquerel and um, Pierre Curie uh, was just an awesome sort of, he was just a really interesting character too, just sort of ahead of his time in terms of, you know, basic things like gender equality and seeing women as human beings that contribute to society. <laughs> so so he's he a radical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh so he refused to uh receive the nobel prize until she was recognized equally and so that's uh the short version of how marie curie became the first woman to win the nobel prize let's hear it for him and her and her
0: well yeah. no, i mean yeah for him for sticking up for him, my gosh yeah 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 so a musical <clears throat> About Marie yeah. Curie. All right, as as I look down my list of proposed musicals, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, Marie Curie is on there, but she's kind of like towards the bottom. How does how does one create as a as as the the subject of a musical? Mm-hmm. Um, how does one write songs? How does one develop that sort of thing? Uh, and because I've heard some of the songs from the website, and we'll we'll get to all that, so everybody else can can sample all that stuff later. Because it actually is extremely well produced and, and absolutely fascinating. Um, but there are so many scientific aspects to this thing. How did you create this 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 body of musical knowledge?
1: Well this project was really fun because I so this is the the, the Marie Curie musical is sort of a, a true musical in the sense that the songs are woven intentionally into the story mm-hmm. so it's not so much it's not a musical review uh you know where the songs right. existed right. independently and then we we justify it with the story um so the script and the songs were developed together uh you know uh, concurrently Um, To write the songs, I really wanted this show to have a function that was more than just entertaining. I wanted it to be accessible and interesting to people who do not have a science background or do not know anything about chemistry. Uh, But I also wanted it to... What I tried to achieve was this sort of almost like double entendre situation where you can get the metaphor if you don't know the science. But if you do know the science or if you're learning the science... It will ring bells for you. Um, so the metaphor uh, works on a lyrical sense, but also is referring to these basic chemistry concepts that are going to reinforce, uh, just make make connections and reinforcements for students of chemistry. I never pick a transition
2: elements, Monsieur Curie. If I had a
1: nickel for every silver-nosed gentleman across my path, I'd be. Then I'll hold my tungsten, lest you think I have a cadmium. Of- I want to fire this out for you once for all. I'm not in the market for a man. He's- <laughs> because, again, our, our main audience is high school and uh, college students. So I really want to do a sort of aim it at those students who are, you know, maybe you're in... Gen Chem 101, right now. This is gonna just give you a, a reference point. So when you're learning about compounds or reactions and tr- you know, transmutation, radioactive decay, whatever, you're gonna be like, oh, like the half-life song in the Marie Curie musical. Like, um, so we really tried to weave the science into the metaphor. Um, And it was really fun because I don't actually have a a big background in science. I was going into this pretty cold. Um, So I got to learn a crapload about chemistry, which was really fun. Uh, We actually consulted with uh, Ricky's sister is Dr. Becky Coates. And she just uh, got her PhD in physical chemistry and is uh, now a full-fledged uh, professor of chemistry. So we had her on board to kind of talk through the science with us. We would sort of brainstorm with her about what's important and you know how do these basic things work. And then I would do, I checked out this big stack of high school level chemistry books and read them all and then would make a stab at writing a song and then like we'd show it to Becky and just have her check our work and she'd be like, okay, this isn't, I get what you're saying, but this isn't quite accurate. This would be a little better. So she worked with us to really make sure that the science is solid.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, How long did this process take? Because I mean, starting something so particular- Mm -hmm. um writing about particular aspects of science that you may or may not be acquainted with in the first place you have to get this stuff exactly right and Mm -hmm. i know i know from doing research on my own and uh for for other projects that it can be an exhaustive and very long experience so how, how long did something like this actually take you
1: well, this came together pretty quickly. I mean, bear in mind, we're not going into, like, really esoteric or really advanced chemistry concepts. Right. It's really, like, pretty basic. Um, so, I mean, we spent, I don't know, it came together pretty fast. We spent probably about two months of just research and Um, conceptual, you know, like the big picture conceptual things. And then once we kind of honed in on, okay, we want this concept, this concept, this concept, I need to make a song about this. And I'm going to tie this concept to this story element. Um, Then from that point, it came together pretty quickly, pretty quickly.
0: You're listening to On Stage Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio. Our guests this month are Sadie Bowman and Ricky Coates with maththeater.com talking about their shows Tesla Ex Machina, Calculus the Musical, and Curie Me Away, all of which are STEM-based theatrical productions now currently touring the United States at colleges and high schools everywhere. Okay. Uh, let's talk about your audiences because you're talking about for high school and college you said, correct? That's all
2: right.
1: right.
0: And you are on tour, which I do want to hear about. Um, but what I'd like to hear about first, I want you to talk about is audience reaction. Because on one hand, we are learning, at least through the Tesla show, okay, one person struggle. Well, but, sorry, let me correct myself. Both shows, all right, a person struggle to pursue their, their dreams, to make society a better place mm-hmm. in, in a sense through, through STEM. And, but at least with, um, the Curie show, we're talking about women. Mm-hmm. All right. And as you mentioned before, you know, Pierre Curie would not accept until Marie was also named for the Nobel, a remarkable, uh, thing for any, any man to do at, at the time, I guess must've been true mm-hmm. love and total respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what about the the girls and women of today? What's what's their reactions to um, seeing this particular show?
1: Yeah. So there is there's a lot there's there's a lot uh, going on <laughs> in this show in that regard, um, because you do see. And when we were when we were writing the show, um, again, this is a character like Ricky said he could have made five different shows about Tesla. We mm-hmm. could make so many different shows about Madame Curie. It's just deciding what part of her story do we want to tell? What are the elements of her life that we feel are relevant and uh, important to be told to today's audience? And I was very, at first, I didn't really want Pierre to be a big part of it at all because I'm like, every every story about a woman has a romantic element and I don't want it to be a love story. Right. Uh, But then the more that we read about their partnership and about the way they work together, we're like, oh, no, okay, he is like he he needs to be in there because he is an example of how to be an ally to a woman. And that is important Uh, because we want the show to be empowering to all the girls in the audience. But we also don't want the boys to feel I don't know. We want them to feel empowered (laughs) as well. Um, so that was, that was a big, a big motivator for that decision. But also when you see the show, you also see all these sub- subtle layers of their partnership that, uh, were not always, you know, he wasn't the a hundred percent perfect ally. Um, there's a scene where, uh, after they're married, he gets hungry and he, says, Well, I don't know how to cook, and she says, Well, I don't either. And so (laughs) it falls to her as the wife to learn how to cook to feed their family. And then it devolves into this thing where you're seeing this woman struggling to be a working mom, right? So she's not only is she doing all the lab work that Pierre is doing, all the housework, the childcare, the cooking, the cleaning, is falling on her shoulders because she's the wife. And so Mm -hmm. that has inspired a lot of really interesting conversations because people are like, well, Pierre was just such a good guy. Like, why, why was he being such a chauvinist at home? And it's like, well, socially, that's where they were at the time. Like men were not, they didn't have the skills to take care of themselves at home. And it was just culturally, that was something that she just had to accept. And she just had to keep doing. And then it inspires all these conversations about, well, what about now? You know, so many like, like one reaction that I get a lot um, are women, not necessarily high women in high school, but, you know, professional science scientists right. who say thank you so much for depicting the domestic side of her life because that is my life. So many women have said, you know, I have a four year old at home and uh, the, that scene where you're running around and, you know, trying to, to change diapers and cook dinner and run this experiment all at the same time. That's my life. That is real. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 it we try in this play to show, you know, there have been massive steps have been taken as far as gender equality, but there's still, there's still crap. Long way to feel- go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was, It's you mentioned something earlier, which would set off a tiny little spark in my brain. Um, we're dealing with a society at least now, and I'm sure this has been this way for a very long time, but, the media holds up people in front of us and says, I want to be like whatever we go back to, I want to be like Mike or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we say, this is what you should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of course this, this goes through all society, not just gender roles, but you know, sexual roles and, and uh, professional roles. And you should be like this because one thing that, that, is common to both of your shows, all right, is that your characters, um, in the sense of being heroes to other people uh, in the way that they have stood up on their own, uh, disregarded as much. I'm not going to say battled society, although I'm sure that was part of it also to become individuals, not to be like somebody else. That seems to me to be the lesson or one of the lessons that we don't impart enough to our younger cultures, our younger Mm -hmm. generations, where Mm -hmm. your judgment, your reasoning, your thoughts, your heart matter. Instead of incorporating yourself into the, into the society, Mm -hmm. we can teach you to stand alone. Um, Mm -hmm. And it seems to me to be uh, not only for Nikola Tesla, who, you know, followed his own scientific dreams and, you know, became who he was to to his own advantage and later disadvantage, I guess. But, you know, Marie Curie, who was basically fighting against the dominant paradigm of the time, that is the world's longest question, and I apologize for that. (laughs) Um, But if you could both speak about that just for a little bit, Sadie, you already kind of touched on that, but, I mean, if you could polish that off, that would be great.
1: Yeah, I think... One of the, the the things that inspired us about Madame Curie as a character was, uh, you know, the more we read about her, you know, realizing that she, like, she overcame so much. Like, we kind of know, like, you know, it was this big deal for a woman to win the Nobel Prize. We know it was kind of a big deal for a woman to be a scientist in that time. Um, But I didn't realize until we started digging deeper into her biography that she actually where she grew up at the time she grew up um, was occupied Russian occupied Poland. And it was actually illegal for women to be educated in that time in that culture. So as a young woman, she had to go undergrad, like she had to um, there was this organization called the Flying University that was basically uh, rebellious women who got together to learn stuff together because they couldn't go to college. It was illegal for them to go to college. If the authorities knew that they were educating themselves they would be punished. Um, and so for Madame, for Marie um. Education was really this act of resistance, like that, like just learning stuff, like let alone doing anything, learning stuff was an act of rebellion. And I've found that so inspiring and so compelling in this day and age where ignorance is celebrated. Right. And, you know, we're kind of, we're just, I don't know. I don't want to go on a huge tangent about how... <laughs>
0: We could do that for an on. hour, trust me, you're hitting yes. a sore spot here.
1: Yeah, but um, but I just felt like that was so inspiring and I want young people to walk away from this understanding that the act of educating yourself is, is a, a, a privilege. It shouldn't be. It should be something that we should all be able to take for granted, but... The just the act of, of learning and of expanding your 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 knowledge and just understanding, your it, it is 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 yeah. incredibly important. It's incredibly important to, to, to use your your to better yourself, um and, and in order to make a better world. And <laughs> they,
0: they say knowledge is power, but they never really go beyond the t shirt and
1: uh-huh. right, you know, right.
0: And, and say yes. All right, so knowledge becomes power, but who gets that power? And power is meant to be used, so who's going to use it? And when they do use it, who's going to be, oh, my God, I think we're in
1: trouble. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um,
2: I I do want to come back to your question, though, uh, because I would say that our shows are inspiring um, in the way that – we do want to empower, uh, power the, the the audiences and the youth that we are performing for to follow their own passions, uh, but also to provide inspiration. Um, I wouldn't say that uh, with these shows we're, we're we're bucking the the idea that you can look uh, up to someone, um, be, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring back uh, the, the the celebrity intellectual mm-hmm. because both Marie and Nikola Tesla. Were, were, were celebrities in their days. Because they were moving society forward th- with these inventions, um, they became just these huge household names. Um, in fact, when Marie came to uh, America, she went on this on this uh, tour giving lectures and it just skyrocketed the amount of women going into science, getting science degrees. Um, and so it's that kind of celebrity that we're trying to bring right. back to our shows. Um, Bring back the the celebrity of of the female intellectual and the uh, the immigrant that has uh, the potential to to change the to change America, like to to have an immigrant and a, and a, a woman as as these. To to remember what kind of celebrities and what powerful people they are is something that I feel is a a message that that our children need to hear Uh, to to have someone else to look up to than the the pop stars and their pretty faces uh, to have uh, intelligence because our other show uh, calculus the musical which I was just going to get to thank you. (laughs) Uh, Because it's it's. Fantastic to play to an audience of like 800 high school kids and have them on their feet cheering about calculus. Uh, that's the kind of wait, wait, of, wait, stop, stop. Okay,
1: well, it's true. Back up.
0: <laughs> cheering about calculus
2: on their feet dancing singing
1: i want to build a time machine so we can go back to george's high school when george was in high school so that
2: he would have more friends
1: (laughs) i would have loved that was college the highest
0: i got was trig and i was the trig geek but Uh uh, no calculus was like first semester of, of college i was like the first two weeks were horrible. I couldn't figure out. And then I got it and I was like, oh, my God, this is like so easy. All right. Here we go. What's next? <laughs> for
1: these students, it's <laughs>
0: amazing. OK, um, I'm I'm thrilled at how cathartic and wonderful it is. Tell me about the show, because calculus and musical, um, how, do, yeah. how do these two combine and what actually, you know, let tell
1: us about the show. Yeah. So that was a very different process. This show is very different from our other two shows. Um, So it's, The idea started uh, with my friend, Mark Gutman, who is now our company business manager. (laughs) Um, He is a calculus teacher, a high school teacher, and he started writing um, just little parody songs for his students to help them, just just literally to be mnemonic devices, uh, because they were, you know, it wasn't, a lot of students were having trouble where they, it wasn't that they didn't get it, they just couldn't remember the formula when the test came around or whatever Mm, and so he was just making he was just setting the formulas to music so that they could could memorize them and then he just put down the test and hum the first couple bars of the song and everyone's like oh yeah and then it, it worked it really really worked Um, And so he's like, this is so awesome. I want to make a song for every concept in Calc 1 because the students are responding so well to this. And me at the time, this is back in 2006, um, you know, I was doing a lot of comedy and, you know, music and, and just like goofy. I was just, you know, really into just very goofy, fun concepts to put on stage
2: Instead of finding little Isaac's speed at a particular point in time...
1: We find little Isaac's position at a particular point in time.
2: Then we find his position an arbitrary amount of time later.
1: Then we use the notion of the limit to slide the amount of time that passed to become infinitesimally small.
2: I shall call this
1: a fluxion! Yeah, we'll work on that. Like oh we should make a musical about calculus. So we took those songs and strung them together into this weird sketch comedy, uh, <laughs> adventure thing that had the history that kind of also gives you that, a very loose interpretation of the history of calculus, mm-hmm. uh, about Isaac Newton and how he, uh, kind of d- developed this system but at the same time Gottfried Leibniz was doing kind of the same thing and there was this big uh rivalry between the two of them and we work in kind of how Archimedes fits into this and some other like big big names of math um and so that's sort of the basic structure of the show. it's uh it, it's mnemonic songs that are are uh, kind of strung together into this comedy. Uh, we did a big reboot uh, last year. Uh, Ricky and I did a big rewrite, and so now the the story is a little more clear. It's now a buddy comedy between Isaac Newton and a mod- and Ada, a modern calculus student um, who meet in this weird dreamscape and they go on this journey through the peaks and troughs of calculus discovering it together um and it's just it's absurd like it's over the top ridiculous like i play the accordion there's this lady gaga dance that's absurd um what else there's it's it's really it's absurd and over the top and very very funny
0: nice this this sounds absolutely hilarious and totally intriguing so where have you been taking this Oh, I mean, we... um, how long you been on tour is really what I should say, and and where you know where can we find you?
1: Oh yeah, so um, it's been really cool. Um, a sort of a little historical side note: um, "Calculus the Musical." Uh Mark and I toured the original version of that show back from two thousand six to two thousand eight. And then we actually licensed it to No Theater of Cincinnati, uh which is I a region. Well. You know, that is where a fun fact, that's where George and I met a long time ago. Yep. The Fringe Festival. Um so they actually licensed the show and produced their own national tour for about eight years. And, um, last year, 2016, like the 2016, 17 school year, uh, was when Ricky and I kind of got things in gear and we took the rights back cause Mark and I still own the rights to the show. So we took the show back. Ricky and I, uh, launched our tour in 2016, uh, packaging it with Tesla X machina. And then, uh, we've just uh, debuted the new Curie show. We're just kind of trying to expand our offerings, but, uh, we've been on tour. This will be the second school year that Ricky and I have been on tour, uh, and we go all over the U.S. Um, high schools and colleges mostly, um, coast to coast, coast north to, coast. to south. Yeah. Every, I think we hit. Tw- I think about twenty. States twenty states. Year. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a lot terribly of work, but really fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds absolutely uh, fantastically wonderful. Um, the clips that I've seen uh, from YouTube about all the different work is uh, absolutely fascinating. So before we cancel out here, um, I'm sure my audience is just, you know, frothing at the bit to find out where we can, you know, find out more about these shows, possibly mm-hmm. book the tour in yep. up in the area here and um, possibly think about taking it to some fringes as, as you might, you know, uh, want to. So how do we find you? And how can we find out more about you?
1: yes our website is maththeater.com i'm going to spell that for you it's basically the words math and the words theater mashed up m a t h e a t r e .com and if you go to that website there are kind of two tracks you can take you can learn all about our touring shows and then if you go on the other side there's a crap load of math themed music uh, that Mark has put up there. So he's he wrote the lyrics for the original version of Calculus the Musical. In the meantime, he's been cranking out all kinds of original math theme music. That's a whole other tangent of this operation, um, but you can find all of that online, um, and you can contact us through the website. Uh, we do mostly we go to schools and colleges, but we also can do theaters, museums, conferences, you name it, we can do it. We are very mobile, very versatile.
2: And if you're on social media, we do have a page on Facebook for Math Theatre.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's uh, I love this. this. This is this has been so much fun. I want to keep talking about this for another couple of hours, but I can't. Great. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much, Sadie Bowman, Ricky Coates. It, um, it's been great having you here. Good luck with the rest of your tours. I hope these shows just keep running and running and running and came up with more really good scientific stuff yeah. uh, thank you. and uh hopefully we will see you again
1: yeah take care when you have a times an x to the b you know you always use power rule look a b x to the b.
0: Hey, kids, thanks for listening to On Stage Off Stage. On Stage Off Stage is produced monthly, and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on iTunes. If you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or work in a part of theater we haven't covered yet or know of someone in the theater world would make some great chat? Please send us a note at info at onstageoffstage.org. Onstage Offstage believes in and advocates for a world where all people are free to live their lives as they wish, in peace and without fear. We believe in universal respect, diversity, and equality in all areas of life for all people, no matter what their nationality, race, religion, age, sexual status, or gender. Onstage Offstage will never promote or endorse those who seek to diminish others because of who they are. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again, and happy theatering to all of you.